Well, I think it's about having your one thing. So like you're very singularly focused on the environment and I'm so grateful. And so I have a different thing that I'm like singularly focused on. And my, but my job is to still support you, right? Like it's not, I'm not like the champion. I'm not trying to be the Mandela of the environment. I'm glad you are though. Um, you know, and I'm trying to get people to think about how to be more open and engaging and inviting and welcoming. <laughs> like I've got a whole, you know, piece that I'm focusing on. Welcome to the Leadership in the Environment podcast. This is Joshua Spodek. We bring you leaders acting on their environmental values because too many people told me, I want to act, but if others don't, then what I do won't matter. We're here to make it obvious that you're not alone. You're part of a global community, a majority. Also, too many people told me, doing small things doesn't make enough of a difference and big things take too much work. Action matters more than the size you start with. You'll hear how action motivates guests from small things to doing big things. You won't find guilt, blame, doom, gloom, or telling people what to do. You will find leading without relying on authority, which brings what I found missing from acting on environmental values. Joy, discovery, growth, community, meaning, purpose, value, sharing. With global demand for environmental action, I bet you'll see that acting on your values doesn't distract from your life and career. Following these leaders' footsteps and beyond enjoying the environment, I bet you'll see promotions, raises, more loyalty and trust in your relationships, and more. Robbie's podcast grew quickly, as did the personal connections to people he didn't think he could. So the beginning of our conversations about his podcast, his leadership, how it grew, I can tell you that starting a podcast is a lot of work. He doesn't sound like someone oppressed or exhausted from doing lots of work. He sounds like someone, he's enjoying what he did, and I think you'll hear why. It's what happens when you start with your passion, with what you care about. The same joy shows up in his environmental action because he starts with caring, his values, and that's what makes activity meaningful. You'll hear the same joy showing up in his environmental action. He started composting totally unrelated to this podcast, and you'll hear how because he started with something that he noticed, you know, really small, but something he cared about, he acted on it, and that acting led him to enjoy more, and so on. So let's listen to the conversation. How are you doing, Rob? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me here. Is Rob okay or Robbie? It's usually Robbie. It's actually short for Robinson, which is not something most people know. Ah, so inside information. It's true. It's true. It has not been announced on a podcast yet. It just has been. So, and your podcast is The Art of the Schmooze, and it's about leadership and networking. On the schmooze. On the schmooze. Yeah. I, why did I say Art of the Schmooze? Because that's a, uh, my signature session that I've been talking about and saying, speaking on for the last 10 years. So I'm probably even better known for that because I've spoken in front of thousands of people talking about the art of the schmooze. But the podcast is a little spinoff of that. It's called On the Schmooze. But you're not the first person to confuse the two. And so you're about, you're about leadership, you're about networking, and you've had some really big guests. And one of the things that you mentioned was that after you started, it didn't take long before you're getting really people that you're like, I, before you would have thought, I don't deserve to get someone like that. How did you put it? Well, I always think I was speaking about Mogadet in particular. He's the chief business officer for Google X. And I think I told you, I have no business even knowing his name. And now he's been a guest of my show. Okay. So you went from nothing to, I don't know, nothing, but like before podcast, it didn't take long. And you have a C-suite person from Google, I guess, Google X. Yeah. How did this happen for you? Why did, what made it happen that you bridged the gap? Sure. Well, so I've been speaking on inclusive networking for nearly a decade and I just released a book, uh, Croissants versus Bagels, Strategic, Effective, and Inclusive Networking at Conferences. And it's a bestseller. It's going really great on Amazon. That's all fantastic. I launched a podcast a little over a year ago as part of building that same platform 
spreading a message, connecting with people. And I think podcasting is an amazing networking tool. So at first, you interview the people who are closest to you that you know, that you have access to. But once you go live and it's a good quality business podcast, um, people will start to be attracted to it. I was fortunate enough to be invited to join C-Suite Radio, which is a network of C-level executives. And I think actually being part of that, now I have these PR companies that are pitching me to have their guests on. Uh And so Mo has a new book called Solve for Happy, which is an excellent book. Go check out Solve for Happy. You should put a link in the show notes. It's a really cool book. And um, yeah, so he took a sabbatical from Google X and traveled down and was doing tons and tons of interviews. And he's a really interesting, smart, you know, just a really encouraging person. I had a great conversation. It's fantastic. But I really had no, I had no other connections to him. And now we just sat down for an hour and had this great conversation that we're able to share with other people about his formula for happiness. Now, you talk, you said podcasting is a very effective networking medium. Is it only podcasting? Could you replicate this type of networking success in other ways? Yeah, I, I guess the other way to do it is it's interviewing. It's not so much podcasting, but it's interviewing. So um, my good friend, Dory Clark, is uh, really prolific at writing articles for Inc., Entrepreneur, um, Forbes, Harvard Business Review. And in order to keep up the pace of the zillions of articles she was putting out every year, she interviews people and then writes an article about them, interviews people and then posts another, another post. And that actually was a way for her to connect with people. So if you, you know, similarly, if you write someone that you don't know, that you admire, that you've you know, watched from afar and you say, you know, I'm, I'm writing for Forbes and I'd like to write about you, like people are more likely to say yes. If you're like, I'm a podcast host and I would like to interview you. People, particularly if they have something to tell, if they have a book out or project they're launching or a message they want to spread, like if they're in the mode where they want to be sharing, communicating ideas, then I think they're more open to it more so than if I just said, hey, I want to have coffee. <laughs> like the whole have coffee thing is such a bad cliche. No one has time to have coffee with every random person. Hey, Josh, you want to have coffee? And you Josh like, oh, like, you know, who has time to, to do all the coordination? Um, it, you know, it's either going to be a quick chat or this hour long video chat that we're having now is like far more intense and in depth and just a bigger way to connect. And I, I just think, I think podcasting is a professional development. Um, that's something I learned from John Corcoran. He also does podcasting He's a smart business revolution. And he talks about how much he learns from being able to interview these smart people. And so similarly, I just feel like between the professional development and the networking podcasting has been a fantastic medium for me. Now I want to make it as accessible as possible for people to, I mean, a lot of people, they don't have, they don't have a column in Forbes or Inc. So they can't do what Dory does. They don't have, they could start a podcast, but maybe they're really nervous about that is, and, and also what's the difference between like there's getting coffee, which isn't effective. And there's podcasting, which is effective. Can you specify what that difference is? You're offering something of value in return. Whereas the whole, Hey, can I just pick your brain? That's taking from somebody not offering anything in return. If I want to interview you, which by the way, Ariane Huffington just came out with a new medium for, for, sorry, I said medium, which is another medium is also a website, but Aria Huffington has her own version of thrive, uh, which is another site where you can post blog posts. You could put it on your LinkedIn, although your traffic is probably gonna be better somewhere else. Always start by posting things on your own website if you're just getting started. But yeah, if you're able to put it out somewhere consistently and build a following, 
then you're able to then reach out to people and say, hey, I want to spread your message. And it's an offer. It's an invitation. It's helping them. Whereas the, I just want to pick your brain, if you have no prior relationship, uh, that's not the best way to start a conversation. So I'm picking up, there's a common theme that you've mentioned that I hear of a lot of leaders on the show is that it's about the other person. If you want to lead someone, you're bringing value to them. It's what's important to them. You're, because most people, did you think that beforehand or did you also think like many people of like, you know, I, it's all about me? <laughs> I'm sure that I had to go through a whole metamorphosis on this. It's now so much a part of my DNA, Josh, that it's hard, it's hard to kind of go back to that mindset. I go into every situation trying to think about how I can offer value. And I was just in a 20-person business, executive business training, a full-day session uh, in New York City. And I should have come by and said hi. And, um, <laughs> Next time. And I spent all day like trying to think about resources that I could add to the discussion. I offered to talk to anybody afterwards. Like if you want to set up a video chat, um, I offered to show people how to set up their podcast. They were trying to get started. I just was like resource rich. Like I've got lots of things that I know about or like or, or willing to talk about. And what I, what I now believe is what I call the philosophy of abundance. If I give away knowledge, it doesn't deplete me. It actually strengthens my network. And when I have a strong network, there's like nothing that I really lack. You know, if I have a strong network, if my immediate circle can't get it for me, like there are outer layers that they will refer me to. And it's because they know I'm the kind of person who, who always offers. Okay. So this is a style of leadership and influence that works. And I hear you speaking from experience. Am I right? This is, you're not telling me something you read. Yeah, it's a lived thing. I mean, it is something that you have to sort of focus on and be purposeful about because it won't happen by accident. If they listen to your podcast, will they get to hear? Because like Dory Clark, you interviewed maybe months ago. That was a while ago. But Mo Gadette was very recent. So I'm guessing that you, they can hear you develop as a leader slash schmoozer slash networker who makes things happen. Is that right? Yeah. So what I did my first year of podcasting uh, last year, I alternated episodes. So every other week I did a short solo episode where I focused on sharing a networking tip or technique, eight or 10 minutes quick, little sound bites. Just, and those transcripts, you know, you could just print them and, and refer to them and, and really just like, how do you write a follow-up email? How do you, you know, do an email introduction? Just really clear tidbits. The opposite weeks and ongoing throughout this year, I interviewed talents professionals and I asked them questions about leadership, uh, career challenges, work-life balance, whatever that might mean for them, uh, and how they built, and particularly how they sustained their professional network. Because the same way you're interested in leadership, the reason I focus on leadership is that I want to talk about networking, mm -hmm. but networking in a vacuum is this sort of amorphous theory. I want it to be applicable. And the way to think about it is if you're a leader, if you achieve success in your field, well, then you you probably know something about relationships. Like you can't, yeah. achieve great success and like be closed off to the world. So I have these conversations and I sort of pull out as we're talking some takeaways for people to think about. And it gives you different examples. Like people follow very different formulas to achieve what they see as success. And I want my listeners to see themselves in this and to find ways that they can pull like, oh, this person has a cool morning routine. This person reads all the time. You know, like this person hosts dinner parties 
Like it, whatever it is, find something and just start working on it. So yours is all about accessibility too and making things possible and sharing what you've learned. It's mm-hmm. giving, like you're living what you talk about. And I love that. Okay, so now I'm going to switch to, now I want to connect this to the environment because that's a place where a lot of people think about stuff and they think, well, they hit the first challenge and then they give up and they don't realize you enjoying all this leadership stuff. I think a lot of people might say it's a lot of work, but I I have a feeling that what you're doing doesn't feel like work to you. I think the best thing in the world, Josh, is when you're able to find the thing that you do with ease and help other people realize how they can do it. And even even better is if you can get paid to to teach them. (laughs) (laughs) Does the environment... Fit like fit that bill for you? Is that something that you you care about that you can do for others? Yeah, I, I love that you're framing this in that way. Um, my very first activism was I, I lived in Long Island uh, growing up, and I was at a very large high school, suburban high school. My graduating class was about thirteen hundred people, so each building had two two grades. You know, six thousand students in four grades. That that's a lot of people, and I started collecting cans. And then because they didn't have a way to get them picked up, I was rinsing these cans uh-huh. and then stacking them. And eventually a custodian took pity on us and dropped them off at a recycling facility. And from there, I got the polystyrene that we were using um, to be recycled. So I, I helped do all this education. I found someone to pick up the polystyrene. We set up signs. I did trainings for teachers and students. So my first, my earliest activism was about helping people think about the one thing they can do. And, and that one thing is like, you know, that tray that you're carrying your stuff on and the cup that you're drinking out of goes in this particular receptacle and the other stuff goes here and that's your part. Like, just do that thing. And then we all took a trip, like five of us, to a recycling facility to see how the polystyrene got turned into plastic, like lumber. And it was like, awesome. It was a fantastic lesson at a very early age about the influence you can have because part of the story is that uh, I actually brought the like head of the food service like company to meet with the vice principal. The two of them are who made it happen. But there was some weird, I still don't know if I understand. There was like a weird tape, red tape, like, you know, BS that they couldn't talk to each other directly. Oh, weird. Yeah. You know, like, they, but when a student was like, I want to, I want to meet with you. They said yes individually, and then I was like, "Let's meet together." And then when they started talking, it was way above my head. Like I remember sitting in the meeting, and like they clicked, and they started getting so excited about this idea, and they made it happen. But I was like, "Why did you even need me?" But they did. They needed a student to be the catalyst to even make that urgent. Are you enjoying meeting this guest? Are you thinking about what you care about? I recommend making it active. Think about what you could do, not just analyze and plan. Not do what others tell you to, but to live by your values. You'll enjoy your results. People will follow you more than you think, and you'll impact more than you expect. Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast for examples of what others have done. That's why I'm making this podcast leadership in the environment, because not just the environment. There's tons of stuff out there about if you want to know facts, if you want to know little tips that you could do, the internet is filled with billions of these things, and people aren't doing it. And people say, why should I do X? Because it doesn't make a difference. What I do is such a small little thing. And then every now and then you do something that's like, you're collecting cans and it doesn't make a difference. And people might say, it doesn't make a difference. All you're doing is putting them in the corner of this room or wherever you're putting them. And then some custodian comes by (laughs) and makes the next step happen because you started it. 
And then these people who weren't talking to each other, who really want, once they're in touch, they really want to get in touch with each other. You make it happen. And so it's like this little thing, but kind of like the straw that breaks a camel's back. Sometimes you do the thing that makes a big difference. Okay. One of the big things getting me to do this podcast is we have a, we got a, a president who believes that it's a hoax. And I'm, I was like, I can't wait another four years. And then the more I thought about it, as I took on the, the mantle of becoming the Mandela of the environment, becoming the Martin Luther King of the environment, that most of these social changes, they didn't come from inside government. They come from outside government. They influence government. Government doesn't lead. We call them leaders, but they don't. They follow. And so when you say that you didn't have an official title, to me, I'm thinking, of course not. If you had a right. title, you'd be, you'd be like talking and sh- like just talking, but not actually doing anything. And if you actually do stuff, it makes stuff happen. How, what did people think of you? I don't know that I cared. <laughs> this is what I've been, this is like what I'm dreaming of people getting is that so many people see it as a burden, a sacrifice to do stuff that's protecting the environment or reducing their emissions or things like that. And yet, if you make it something, if it's something you care about, you can, you, you can take this as far as you want. I don't think you're done yet. Am I, am I reading you right? Like you haven't like been like, okay, now I did the environment stuff on other things. Well, I think it's about having your one thing. So like you're very singularly focused on the environment and I'm so grateful. And so I have a different thing that I'm like singularly focused on. And my, but my job is to still support you, right? Like it's not, I'm not like the champion. I'm not trying to be the Mandela of the environment. I'm glad you are though. Um, you know, and I'm trying to get people to think about how to be more open and engaging and, inviting and welcoming <laughs> like i've got a whole you know piece that i'm focusing on but i do think we all have to do our part i'm fond of saying that i think recycling is a distraction but one i'm still gonna do like mm-hmm. you spend sometimes you know you're standing there and you're looking like where is this supposed to go like you're confused for a moment and you're like ah, oh, this feels like such a distraction but it's like you know what you're still doing it you're doing your part and that's, that's like in that moment, for that moment of that day, I know that I'm doing my part. You did reinforce something that I think is a major thing that a lot of people, that keeps people from, and I'm going to talk about leadership in general, or pursuing your passions in general, is people are afraid of doing something when they're not really sure if, if it's their passion or not. And I, the advice I give is, like, if you're not sure what your great passion is, find a passion and act on that. And either that will turn out to be awesome if it's not, it's the fastest way to find out what will be your thing because that thing will eventually lose its appeal and something else will keep gaining its appeal. And so when you said, well, I've moved on to other stuff, I'm like, well, that'll happen. That's not someone who's listening to this and thinks, well, maybe environmental stuff isn't my thing. Well, if you don't know what is your thing, start with that. You know, you listen to this podcast, something about it appealed to you. So start mm-hmm. with that. Well, and I love that these, these stories that I forgot about are being brought to life and I'm connecting them to what I'm doing, even just like within the last couple of years. Like I hadn't really put a lot of thought into the fact that I got to this new job and I was like, why don't we have a, a can collection? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like I just did it. I was like, and I was there for 10 years. So now it's just part of the institution. So environmental stuff for you is among other things, it's connecting with people around you, serving them in ways that, that creating these connections and, and, developing your leadership and developing your network, it works for you that way. Mm-hmm. I guess that comes stems because people generally, I, there are probably people who really just want a dirty environment, it's possible, or they don't care, they think it's a hoax. But by and large, a lot of people really like it. And, the, and you want to share values so that you have people in your life, you want to act on your values so that people in your life are people who also act on those values. Absolutely. So that said, 
you you read the the uh, the description of this podcast. I'm gonna and I'm gonna invite you to take on a personal challenge. You can't count something you've already been doing. So something new, and it doesn't have to change. It doesn't have to solve everything overnight. So have you thought of something or have yeah, you? Yeah, it, it's funny because um, I thought of something, Josh, when you first invited me. I started thinking like, what would be my, my thing? Okay, so here's the thing. I, I live on a college campus in Boston, Massachusetts, and our dining services have composting. Uh-huh. And I don't cook a ton. In the summer, I cook a lot. In the rest of the year, I eat at a dining hall. But my son, soon to have two children, they're constantly, there's always scraps of vegetables and fruits around, always. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to set up a composting bin in our apartment and then we'll walk it over to the dining hall facilities to drop it off. Okay, cool. So that's something. Oh, so I see. So every time you've gotten rid of scraps, you're like, I could have, I could have composted this. We, we make eggs from every morning. So there's eggshells every morning. I think, oh, I could be composting this. We make coffee every, you know, a little while. And like, I'm like, oh, it's coffee grounds. I could totally be composting this. I was chopping up vegetables yesterday and I was like, mm-hmm. huh. These vegetables would all go in the compost. Like I've composted in the past. I used to live across from someone who had an enormous garden. And I've never had a compost myself. I've never had a garden since I was a little kid. But I was like, oh, if there's a compost like across the street, why don't we just compost? And so we did that. And then when I moved here five years ago, they didn't have composting. But I don't know, sometime in the last year or two, they started to do it. They didn't make a big deal out of it. But I've sort of noticed they have these green bins in the back of the building. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, they're compost bins. It just sort of like clicked when I was thinking about your show. I'm like, we could just be doing this. And once that awareness was there, I started to, yes, like I will tell you three weeks ago, I wasn't feeling bad about throwing away the scraps or the coffee grinds, right? Like my awareness wasn't there. But as soon as the awareness came into focus, now I'm like, oh, wait, I can actually do something about this. You're perfectly stating what this podcast is about. It's about awareness. I've never heard a leader say self-awareness messes up leadership. Self-awareness and people who aren't self-aware, they're like, how do I get aware? Well, this is one way. And you're like, this is fun. This is something that you're, something that a lot of people think of as a burden. Once you make that mental shift, you're like, I can't wait to do it. Oh, Josh is making me wait. And <laughs> I put this pod- blog post a week or two ago. It says how to have a great conversation in New York City anytime. Because for me, I keep my compost in the freezer because I can only take it over on Saturday mornings. Uh, so actually, if I, if I need to, I can take it to Union Square, which is more often. But I'm trying to do it at the smaller place to make it grow. If you bring your compost to a place in New York, you will have a great conversation with anyone who drops off their compost because you all have to keep it in your freezer. It's a walk for me. It's like, I don't know, a 10-minute walk to get there. And you're talking to someone else who, who also did it. And you get to see what you've been eating lately. And it's a great social thing. It's really fun. It's, it's fun because it's, you're, you're immediately going to be surrounding yourself with people who have shared values and who are acting on those values. Exactly, yeah. And I think anytime we can align ourselves and be in a room full of people that, that bolsters our efforts, it makes us happy to know that we're not alone in our efforts. Like it, it, it makes the one little thing that we're doing in isolation actually part of a movement when we actually see other people doing it. And a lot of times these are actions that are happening at home, you know, in private. So it's great that you have a, you have a real clear example of seeing the outcome. Like that's why I like doing it across the street from this enormous garden, because I knew that this household, which was all young adults, like, you know, it was a bunch of, bunch of young people, you know, twenties, thirties, 
that I knew that every year they were going to like have this enormous garden and that the stuff that I put in was actually being used. Like I could see the whole cycle. And then they were like, Hey, come grab stuff off the vine. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. Oops, I'm happy to do that. <laughs> and this is what I want to happen. This is my goal is to change the cultural perception of doing stuff in the environment into the way you're talking about it. It's joy, social, self-awareness, things like that. All right. So how long is it going to take? I'm getting on a calendar now. How long is it going to take you for this to take root and to have for the next inner, the next conversation to be really get at the heart of things? And I've, I'm sure that with you, if all, if even if you say you're just going to compost, I can't wait to find out because I know that it's going to come back and it's going to be some bigger thing that's beyond just composting. It's going to be some community network or something like that. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to, yes, create a community of composters. Um, I, I mean, I already know the container and I, I, there's something I've been storing in the container and I figured out where I'm going to move the thing that's been stored. And I, I, I figured I talked to my wife about where this container is going to live so that it's easy for us to have access to it. It's going to be right there on the counter. You know, it's got a nice lid and I'm excited because we used to have a small trash can, like really small, uh-huh. um, like kind of like a, like a bathroom size. Cause we really weren't making a lot of food at home. And now that we have a kid, soon to have two kids, December, I just right. feels like we're making, again. yeah, thank you. It just feels like there's a lot more food prep happening, which is great. I, I actually love to cook. So we got a larger garbage can because we needed to, we basically couldn't have a toddler be around something that was open. <laughs> but uh-huh. once you have a larger garbage can, you store garbage for longer. So when you have a smaller garbage can and you might have some scraps, it moves out of the house quickly. You don't notice it, but it smells. It's just not good. Like. When you separate your compost from your regular trash, your regular trash ends up being, and, you, and, if, and we're recycling also. So that's something we're already doing. But you don't end up with a lot of trash. So it actually takes a while for the trash can to get filled up. Oh, so I, I, I'm kind of excited about the, the odor control. Sorry to interrupt you there, but I'm, you just, you're more conscious of, of how much crap you're, how much of my garbage I'm like putting into the world. Let's say again, how people can reach you so that people can read your book, so that people can hear your podcast. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you for, for asking that. Um, I actually wanted to kind of give your listeners a little gift because, again, I'm a big fan of giving things and being of value. We talked a lot about networking, and my book is about networking at conferences. So I wrote something called 10 Tips for Conference Connections. which is a, a three-page guide, so really easy to consume. And, in fact, if you're going to a conference – Today, you could bring it with you, read through it, and apply some of the tips right away and have a very different experience. So that's available for you at robbysamuels.com slash L-A-T-E. And that's for leadership, leadership and the environment. And the environment. <laughs> so uh, Robbie Samuels is R-O-B-B-I-E-S-A-M-U-E-L-S.com slash L-A-T-E. Uh, and you'll find everything about me on Robbie Samuels and my what, my podcast on the schmooze is on there. A link to my book is on there as well. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd love people to check me out on my social. I, I mean, basically find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, all those things. I love chatting with people. Awesome. So Robbie Samuels, and then I recommend in particular his interview of me. <laughs> and then lots of, I mean, but I would start at the beginning and then like listen to a lot. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> I really look forward to, I, I hope that the, your perspective on the environment, not just perspective of how you look at things, but how you act on it, and it becomes a social thing, it's something you like, like that's what, this is what I want to get out there. 
And now I can't wait to hear, I think you're going to take things to another level because you tend to do that. I tend to do that. I don't think small. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks, Josh. Thank you. And we'll talk again soon. Regarding composting, did you hear how paying attention, just paying attention revealed something to act on and then actually acting, just starting led to joy, to fun, to community, to happiness. In his words, offering something of value, going back to starting his podcast, all effective leaders start with what others value. It's one of the main themes of this podcast. That's what I'm trying to do in helping the people who are listening to help them act on something that they care about to find these joys. I hope you're thinking of something of value that you can offer to others. And then also his words, the one thing you can do and do that thing. Once you start getting acting, people respond to that. That's leadership. People respond to you acting in a way that helps them because they want to help themselves too. You help them do what they wanted to do. By contrast, people thinking things like, I have to get ahead or this is a distraction from me really doing what I want to do. Those are thinking of themselves. Not necessarily going to hurt your life, but C-suite leaders aren't going to respond to your podcast when you're thinking about how you can do for yourself. They might, but in Robbie's case, they certainly responded to him looking for ways to help them. So paying attention to what you can do, acting on it, thinking of the one thing that you can do and doing those things and putting other people's interests first. I think these things are what makes things happen. Does hearing leaders acting on their values make you think of yours? Nothing will make you feel better than acting on them. Value means better. Acting on your values means improving your life. Committing publicly helps many people and builds community too. If you want, click on Commit to a Personal Challenge to share what you do with this community. You'll be a leader among leaders. We're more than a podcast. We're a movement to share how acting on environmental values means fun, joy, growth, and so on, not sacrifice or deprivation. If you want to join or help, contact me at joshatspodak.net or at joshuaspodak.com slash podcast. You'll grow as a leader, you'll enjoy yourself, and the world and your communities will thank you for it.